here and there. Three blind mice everywhere, searching all around for the cat. All over Kingston town, Peter Pat, they got the carving knife to cut the pussy cat's life. The puss will get that knife for trifling with three blind mice. So beware, three blind mice, watch your step. Three blind mice, deadly mice. Three blind mice, where they go? Three blind mice, what they do? Three blind mice, body mice. Three blind mice, deadly It's funny. I thought you'd turn up sooner or later. Sit down. The girl talked? But of course. But I was already curious. Especially when your audio came in. You made no reference to anything else other than Bond and his friends. Very clever. But you're up against more than you know. Then you killed him? He was killed. But never mind how. Who are you working for? Well, you might as well know. Because you won't live to use the information... I'm working for. Well, looks like you have nowhere to go. It would appear so. Do you want to record a podcast? If it'll save me. Sure. Wonderful. My name is Tim Guccione, and welcome to the first episode of No Time to Bond, where we'll cover many aspects of Bond, James Bond, from the locales to the music, from the cultures to the filmmaking, from personal memories and everything in between, to the influence that one of the biggest franchises of all time has had on myself, but also my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, my father, Roger Guccione. Thanks for that intro, Tim. I'm very excited to be here with you tonight. Thanks, Dad. This podcast has been a long time coming, but definitely one that's been inspired by others in the Bond fan community, including David Zariski of the Bond Experience, Joe Darlington of Being James Bond, Calvin Dyson of the Calvin Dyson YouTube channel, and many others. So a big thank you to all of those people who have built up this community and made it what it is. So for our first episode, we thought we'd delve into something that has definitely been brought up before, I'm sure. It's a simple topic with many answers. Why does Bond need us? In the times that we are going through in this world, we are faced with heroes and villains. The lines are clear and yet blurred at the same time. Things are done without our knowledge or voice, but one man has always remained constant in our lives. James Bond. 
He may play for the good guys, but his vices, women, sex, booze, make him unlikable at times. He's not perfect, but our real heroes rarely are. He needs help in this day and age more and more. This is why this topic has many answers. So why does Bond need us? Dad? When you think of all the films that he's played this part in, regardless of the actor, throughout the films, he always risks his life. He does whatever he can to make a difference. And he really needs our support in the sense that why would he do this over and over again if we weren't there behind him making it worth something? It's got to be worth something for him to risk life and limb over and over again. What do you think? I, I mean, I feel like it has multiple... I honestly feel like it has multiple levels to it. There's the fan community level of it where, you know, if we didn't have this kind of, you know, camaraderie um, to kind of talk about the series and, you know, do the things we're able to do for it. I mean, the company that owns Bond, Eon Productions, they basically get free marketing from us, essentially, if you think about it. Um because we're, we're basically going out and we're we're creating all this content to help promote their brand without them even needing to pay any money to to us, essentially. Which, how often do you get that kind of marketing? So I feel like it works on a economic and, um, you know, like, you know, that kind of sense as far as like having, you know, promotion for this, the film series, but also... You got to look at the level on like I like to give, you know, Spectre and Skyfall a bit of a nod in that way, because in that film, he does require more help from the people around him than he had in previous films. Um, you know, the people joke, they call it the Scooby gang. You know, you have Money Penny, you have Tanner, you have, you know, all these people and they're, you know, they're they're in queue and you have and they're helping him, you know, to to get to a point that he, you know wants to you know that he so he can accomplish his mission but so i think it works on that level so it works basically on a fictional level and on a you know and on a non-fiction level <laughs> as well as you know you know also within the books now i don't have as much knowledge of the books as i've only read one of them personally i don't know about you have you how many have you read other than uh, casino royale just uh just casino royale just <laughs> only because i gave it i bought it and i gave it to you yeah so, so we don't, so our knowledge really just ex doesn't really extend beyond like, I mean, I know certain elements of some of the, some of the books that aren't in the films or haven't been in the films and that the majority of the adaptions haven't been, you know, a hundred percent and that they've been saving stuff for each, for other iterations, uh, or in, you know, to use it in other films later down the line. Um, but I, I feel do, I, I do feel like, you know, Bond does, from my perspective, he needs us on two levels. I don't know. What, you, what do you think about that? Well, it's interesting because in the book Casino Royale, the character that they portray is a really dark character. I mean, he has that cavalier attitude that we see in the movies, but he also has this, um, he's not quite as confident as you see in the movies. He's constantly doubting his choices, wondering what's going to be next uh, for him and, and wondering if he's even going to survive the next the next situation. And so we see someone who is a little bit more vulnerable in the book than we see in the movies. And um, so he doesn't seem to be as needy in some of the movies as he is in the book. And I think that that character that Ian Fleming created 
um, for us has really developed over the years throughout the films. And so it's almost like um, when he does show vulnerability in some of the films, um, it's almost surprising because you're used to this invincible character. And so, you know, it's hard for the audience to really feel like he needs all this support because he's so confident in his ways. But when you go back to his roots, he's really not quite that way or he's not developed quite as much as he is in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I think if you look at it like... Vesper was probably the first person who can kind of who could kind of see through him, both not not just only in the film adaption, but in the book as well. And I think at first it scared him a little bit, but he was all like, but he was intimidated in the right ways, and it made him just kind of respect her first, and then they and then they kind of like learned to love each other through that. But then, of course, you know, obviously we know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Casino Royale, um, that, you know, she betrays him. And, you know, and then it kind of, I feel like a lot of his, you know, like, and so like the rest of the, at least through the, out the Daniel Craig era that we've had up to this point, um, he kind of, there's somebody somewhere that sees who he really is and those are the only people who find a way to like get through to him. So you have Camille in quantum you have, um, and they kind of see through each other, which I think was a good parallel to Vesper. And then you have M obviously in Skyfall. And then you're supposed to believe that it's supposed to, supposed to be Madeline. But honestly, I feel inspector, but I feel like, um, I feel like it's more Mr. White at a, at a, in, in a couple of in a couple instances. And then, you know, at other times it's also, you know, it's also Blofeld too, you know, he, they, you know, cause they, they see that, you know, and they know his past, you know? So, but that's, that's, I don't know. That's my opinion. As far as that goes, I feel like, cause I, but I'm thinking of, of it, you know, on a film level, as far as like what he needs, but like in, in the, at the end of the day, like, is he a, a hero? Can we even call him a hero or is he just somebody that does, you know, what he needs to be done to get the job done. Well, it's interesting because, you know, we don't want to get into, in this particular conversation, the different player people that play Bond over these different films. But Daniel Craig is definitely the most vulnerable um, with all those characters that you mentioned throughout his part of the series. And you don't see that very much with the other actors. And I think, you know, the, the thing is, is that, it gives more depth to his character, his, his portrayal of the part. And I think that definitely um, ties into the book, uh, the, you know, the book we mentioned before, Casino Royale versus the movie. Um, when you think about the other people who play Bond, they're not as vulnerable or there's little bits and pieces of it. Um, but you, you feel confident that he's going to pull it together and he's going to pull it off regardless of what we're doing for him. Whereas Daniel Craig, I feel like he needs a little more support here and there. Yeah, it's it's more it's more human, which is what a lot of people have kind of like I, I feel like I've been able to identify with him more because he has that. You know, although there are some people out there who are just like, Yeah, he, Craig's been great as Bond, but I want that more fantastical aspect. And I'm like, Yeah, that's great. And to each their own. And I've loved a lot of those, you know, types of Roger Moore era fantastical films that they kind of reference. But I feel like you need to toe the line in between the two. I actually think Spectre did it in a lot of good ways. But I also think that, you know, the film that really did it right 
that was able to balance it right. And I feel like I think Connery, honestly, throughout his first four films, was definitely able to to pull that off with precision. I don't know if it's just because of the adaptions or or what, but like specifically in Doctor No, there's some fantastical elements in there. But it's not overly fantastical. You have the big villain's layer and all that stuff. But the one thing you do have is it's primarily at its core a detective film in a tropical area. And it requires all of that 60s stuff. And, you know, so some people have actually, like, you know, looked at um, at Dr. No as kind of... It, it, people don't like it as much because they're like, oh, it's kind of slow. It's kind of this, kind of that. And I've always sort of felt that way, but in like revisiting it recently, especially like we're not doing a full on review, but like just, you know, a couple elements that I really appreciate and I think kind of allow it to be, you know, perfectly split between not too crazy and not too, you know, not too on one side and not too on the other side is it, it shows a little bit of what Bond does you know and what's in his mind and how his mind operates and that he needs to kind of you know make sure he sets all these things up like putting the hair across the the closet door and you know like you know having an extra bottle of you know of uh of vodka and you know all, all of this you know kind of stuff so it gets you like the, what he's doing stuff you have to describe in the book but stuff you can actually show in a film which is you know if if i took anything from you know, making films over the years, it's better to show something than to like explain it. And a lot of the books put, put it you in bond's head. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Like to when, when other people are able to sort of get into his head like that. And I honestly feel like, you know, the kind of content that like other people are putting out is really kind of doing that like he has in his mind he's like oh i want to be stylish you know so like and i want to be you know but practical at the same time and i want to you know have this and i love beautiful women and i love you know this and i love that but these aren't the things that are bringing me happiness killing someone's not bringing me joy you know even if they may be you know especially in the craig era they may be sticking a drill into my neck um or they may be you know like so like so honestly because he has all of these like like i want to take it a step further here like if he has all these vices is he does it make him a bad man in any way whatsoever because you might see those things and be like oh okay like you know you know if you look at it from more of like a moral aspect of it like Okay, you shouldn't drink too much. You shouldn't kill people, even if you have a license to kill necessarily. Like, you know, it's it's just like that. That's why I wanted to. I thought this would be a really interesting discussion because why? Like in this day and age, now with everything that's you know going on in the world currently, I don't want to get into it like you know too much, but like everything that's going on in the in the world currently, do we feel that like, you know it's important like we, we, i feel like we feel like it's important that we need to like get out there and like show our support for bond because i you know there's so much out there that says oh yeah like he's old hat and you know we don't need him anymore he's not it's not something we want you know we have all this marvel stuff and you know we just finished up star wars and i'm <laughs> and you know you had indiana jones all these things all these crazy you know 
you know, amazing, you know, things. And yet Bond has been like doing so much over the years because of our support. But but he wouldn't have that if not for what, you know, what we do. Like doing this is exactly the kind of thing that, you know, is going to get him continual continual exposure going forward. Yeah, well, I agree there. Um, but the other thing that's interesting that you brought up is that he can be looked at as old hat, and some of the Craig films talk about that. They, you know, they say, "Oh, you know, we don't need this behind the scenes. We don't need this um, in the shadows type spy stuff anymore because we can handle it with technology." And the films show that there's benefit to having all of it, the technology and the old world spy, you know, to, to find out what's going on behind the scenes and report back and, and have the military make the right decisions or the government make the right decisions. Um, and so there's still a place for Bond. And I think uh, that's important because there's a place for him today in the real world too. So, you know, that transition from film to real world is also, I think, why he needs us. His, the characters out there like him that actually do this uh, in real life really need our support and it helps us feel safe. Yeah. And, and something that like, which I thought was, which I really like is that, you know, obviously Ian Fleming was in the Navy and was very active during World War II and, you know, actually had an operation that he was involved in called Operation Goldeneye. Which, of course, then he turned around and named his, you know, home in Jamaica, Goldeneye, um, which I really love. But he was also someone who kind of had a lot of similar vices to Bond, but he just didn't have like, the, he wasn't like that handsome. You know, you've seen pictures of him. He wasn't that, he wasn't a good looking guy, you know, necessarily compared to like, you know, Sean Connery. <laughs> well, it's, uh, almost, it's almost like he wrote his stories portraying himself as the suave debonair agent. Um, kind of fantasizing about it and putting it the way he would like it to be or he would like himself to be if he were in that part. Well, I think he did some of that, but he didn't, I don't know. It's just very, it's very interesting how like, you know, like a lot of, you know, those things came from some a real person, essentially. You know, he, you know, was with, you know, a couple of different women throughout his life and, um, and he was also, you know, into drinking, of course, you know, being in the UK, that's, you know, people talk about that, you know, in America, like, oh yeah, you people in the UK drink a lot, you know, it was like, well, I mean, that's just, I feel like this is a bit of a stereotype, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, not everyone does that. Um, sometimes we drink more here, but we also drink terrible stuff, but that's, you know, beside <laughs> the point, like we're, you know, we're, we're, we're basically, you know, it, we're trying to, you know, basically help bond out though by not only doing this stuff, but the fact that it works on there, it's two levels. So say you and I were written in to a bond book because they're still writing bond books. If you didn't know, um, continuation novels. So say you and I were written into a bond book and we had to help James Bond in, you know, toppling a, you know, organization to, that's, you know, out to, you know, poison the world's water supply, you know, so to speak, which is, I think, a plot of, uh, somewhat the plot of, uh, <laughs> of quantum. Um, but, uh, yeah, so say like that was, that was the thing. How would you feel if Bond was like, oh, you know, take this gun. I need you to help me kill these people. Like, 
you know, uh, working on a literary fictional level, how would you react to that? Yeah, it would be tough because I would rather see him do it. <laughs> We're all used to him doing, taking care of the dirty business. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, it depended on, I guess it depended on, if people were shooting at me, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll shoot back, I guess, you know. <laughs> Why are we shooting these people? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that as the, the kind of help Bond needs. What, what Bond, I think, needs as he develops into a more, uh, continues to develop into a more complex character, is that he needs um, support from people that understand who, who he is and what he's all about. Too many bureaucrats, as they called them in the last film, um, get involved and they kind of muddy the waters. Um, so it's it's uh, I think it's that kind of support that he needs in the films coming up. Okay. So I was, you know, so I want to kind of, you know, go forward uh, with this and kind of talk about like, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, the most recent film that was supposed to come out in April, it got delayed. You know, we've been feeling, you know, a little sad about it, but like, this is why, you know, and I've noticed like, you know, certain things kind of dropping off, like the hype is people like, oh, the hype is gone. This is gone. You know, is the film even going to come out in November? Is it going to get delayed again? I feel like the thing that's really going to help us go forward is everything we're doing in the fan community and everything that everyone's doing for Bond or about Bond or with Bond. So what is his importance going to be going forward? And is that importance going to be based off of what we're doing in the community, what other authors are doing in writing more books about Bond and, you know, what, you know, we're doing in, you know, to like push, you know, not, maybe not push too much of a agenda with Bond, you know? So where, you know, what do you think that, you know, his importance is going to be, you know, going forward, you know, and the entertainment purposes, you know, going forward. Well, this has been such a difficult time for not only our country, but the entire world. And I think that it's important for the entertainment industry to come back and get people excited about life and excited about the arts and everything else on a big level. But on a smaller level, we still need heroes. We still need people that are out there going to make a difference. And I think us supporting his character and his role is really important uh, now for people's morale and, and for people to feel good about someone doing something good, even if he has his vices. And I think that's why it's important right now that we help with our bond through the bond community to, to hype this film and to, to really get the excitement moving again, come September, October, November. And if the film gets delayed until like next year, well, my personal feeling is that it needs to be shown in November. You know, you can't hype it three times mm -hmm. and, and be successful. I think in November, if they can't show it in theaters, then they've got to find a way to be able to have people be able to watch it, you know, at home and then bring it to theaters when it's safe to do so. And it'd be amazing if we could like champion getting more, um, you know, uh, basically like getting more uh, drive-in movies started. Like, wouldn't that be great if you just had a drive-in movie theater just to show James Bond? That'd be a great idea. And we're fortunate enough that we actually have a drive-in theater not yeah, that I know. far from us. Exactly, which I haven't been to in forever. And I think it would be great 
to show a Bond movie on a drive-in theater. Even if we don't get to see it in IMAX, it might not be the same experience and all that stuff. But, like, you know, and you might have to deal with, like, the heat in your car, you know, trying to watch the movie. But, hey, you know, if there's any way we could watch it, that would be the way to I would want to – I wouldn't mind watching it that way. At least it would get it up on a screen in the best possible way you could do it, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that would be a great compromise if we – if the companies aren't willing to bring it home to all of us before it comes to theaters and understandably – um, that would be a great compromise. You know, it reminds me of a, a great childhood memory I had growing up in the 60s when Sean Connery was Bond and the only Bond anyone knew. Um, I remember uh, going to a drive-in movie theater and being in the back seat while my parents went to see Goldfinger. And that's that was my first exposure to James Bond at four or five years old. But the excitement part that I still remember... In the station wagon? In the station wagon was the DV5. Right, like, you know, course. that was what I wanted for my birthday. I got a, an elect, you know, a little version of that that had all the, you know, the the machine guns that could come out and the thing that would block the bullets, the shield in the back, <laughs> and all those things. It was awesome, and uh, like it was uh, spy mania in the sixties. Oh, absolutely. You know, but that, but the reason I brought that up is the the theater experience was a was a drive-in that was you know well before they had surround sound or any of the things they have yeah. now and it was just a great memory yeah and, and and I have my own memories obviously and we'll get to those over time and you know um, but I feel like it, you know it's interesting I was thinking I was like well Bond has needed us since the beginning because although the books were popular and there had been some you know things here and there that had been that uh you know, uh, at uh, like TV adaption of Casino Royale with uh, Peter Laurie yeah. <laughs> as Le Chief and stuff like that. So like, but like had Bond come out and nobody went to see it and there was never another Bond film ever again. Never say never again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> never. And it, say there was never another Bond film. Like there wasn't another Bond film ever again. What would like... Where do you think the state of the world would be without Bond? Well, you know, the Bond films over the years have brought so many um, current events to light as well. I mean, everything from the Solex Agitator, you know. <laughs> Solex Agitator units. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but it was it was at a time where there was definitely a perceived energy crisis and he was, you know, relevant at the oh, time. Oh, yeah, I just confused it. Wait, it's Solex Agitator. Solex Agitator. Was yes. the thing, but no, I was thinking of the, uh, the ring from Die Another Day. Because it's also something Agitator, but it's got unit in <laughs> yeah. it. Which I, yeah, yeah. Uh, sing, single single digit sonic agitator unit. Yeah, that would break glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with the vibrations, yeah. Oh my gosh. But the the point is, is that um, I think that Bond has brought some of the world's issues over time to light, and and you've seen what his, you know, response was, and and how he's changed things in the films. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was relevant. A lot of the films were relevant to the particular times that they were in. Um, you know, when you even think about Dr. No, it's all about, you know, rockets to the moon and, you know, um, Dr. No trying to interfere with that whole process with the United States uh, launching rockets. And that was really relevant at the time. So so Bond has always made himself relevant um, and connected to what's going on in the world. And I think, um, you know, that's that's what makes it 
almost makes him so timeless. Yeah. So if we're going to bring it back to our original question, why does Bond need us? Like, you know, he, he wouldn't, he, honestly, he would not, it would not be what it is without the fans. Yeah. Now the, the fan base and, and the community that we're now becoming part of is, is such a huge support for that franchise and for the character, James Bond, that, you know, we, we've got to support him that way. But I, I have to say on that other level that you talked about, you know, he, he is a hero for some and he as the character needs our support to continue to make a difference. Yeah, I I, I, compl- I completely agree. Well, well, that was really interesting. Thank you, Dad, for being my co-host. Uh, I would literally not be here without you. Um, I hope everyone listening enjoyed our first episode and was able to take something from it. Uh, like I said, this is a long time coming, and I'm so glad we're here doing this finally. Uh, be well, be kind, and be Bond. <laughs> <laughs>